Today, I want to continue with the message I started last Sunday, the gift of God, the gift that keeps on giving. Lord, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit. I want to thank you, God, for your presence here. Spirit of God, I thank you because your word says you have given me the tongue of the learned that I may know to speak a word in season to him or her who is weary. And I want to thank you for that. I thank you because you've given them ears that can hear and hearts that can receive the incorruptible word of God in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Jesus was speaking to a woman at the well, and it's good to have Preston here and his wife this morning. Thank you for coming to join us. I'll be seeing you. My wife will be seeing you right after service. We're glad you came. Good. Nothing bad. It's tough when pastor says, I got to see you in my office. <laughs> it's like a school principal. <laughs> see you in my office. Oh, everything okay? <laughs> yeah. Jesus was speaking to that woman. He said, she, he asked a drink from her. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, Jesus is that gift of God. It was God wrapped in human flesh, sent to us into the world to be our gift, to be God's present to you. As a gift. There's no greater gift in this world. To have Jesus given to me as my personal gift. And you hear people say these words. Have you received Jesus as your personal savior? What they're asking you is, have you received your personal gift from God? It's your gift. Jesus is a gift from God that keeps on giving. Many times as Christians we feel like, God has forsaken us. I mean, he's been there. Don't lie to me. I know you, you tell the truth. All of us have been there. You've prayed, you've cried. And in one case, I was praying so hard to God in English, and I figured he wasn't hearing me well. I, re, I returned to my, old, my native language, the one I grew with. He'll hear me when I speak this language now. I was that desperate. I spoke in, to him in English. I wasn't getting my answer. I went back to Pigeon English, the one I was raised with. And, and I was desperate. You got to answer me. Maybe that English, you're not understanding. I'll speak my native tongue for you. Amen. So many times we feel like God is forsaking us. But God never forsakes anyone. That's not in his nature. God wants to bless everyone. There is always with God an appointed time with him. He may seem like he's delaying, but that's not the case. He's preparing something much better than what you're asking for. There's something that he's preparing for you in that situation that you're going through, that you're thinking God's delaying and his coming. You can't get his attention. He heard you from the very first day you spoke. And he's preparing something beautiful. He's taking him some time. 
Maybe it wasn't time for you to receive it. You wouldn't understand it. You wouldn't appreciate it. And so God is fixing everything in his own time to meet your need. He is the gift that's constantly giving. There were some in the New Testament in the days of Jesus that felt the same. That maybe Jesus had forsaken them. Maybe he wasn't responding properly. He wasn't coming in time. God, when are you going to come? And you can see this story in the life of uh, Lazarus. Mary and Martha. I want to share from this story today. I'm going to give you seven things. If I can finish all of them. Seven things or seven lessons we can learn from the life of Lazarus and his two sisters. I want to read from the first part of the story. It's in John chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, listen to how they sent a message to Jesus to come. It says, therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Behold, him whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God may be glorified through it. This is the part. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. He loved them. And he stayed two more days. I like the way scripture tells us stuff. It does make a lot of sense. Right? Now, Jesus, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, who was the one that was sick. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, let me start with this. The first lesson, just because you love God and just because God loves you and you know it, doesn't mean trouble will not come. It always comes. Trouble will come. Whether you like it or not, trouble is going to come. Even if God is standing right by you, trouble will come. You know why? Please give me Job chapter 5 verse 7. He says, yet man is born to trouble. I thought I was born to my mother. Man is born to trouble. Man is born to trouble. Just, just as he says, as spark fly upward. If you see a spark, it's not going to fly downward, right? It's going to fly what? Upward. You were born to trouble. You, you can't escape. It's coming. 
That's what happened to Lazarus. And in, in, in Job, the same Job, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, man who is born of woman is of few days and what? Full of trouble. It's a part of life. Accept it. Don't be bothered by it. It will come. I've been there. You've been there. Some of you, some of you are dealing, going through one right now. Generally, we focus on the one that bothers us the most. And by the time you get your hands around it, five others show up. And you're wondering, where did this come from? It's constantly, life is spent dealing with issues, problems. That's life. It's part of living. Don't let it bother you. Even if God loves you, and that's what he says. Look at what he says. In first three, they told him, they told Jesus, the one whom you love, he's sick. And then verse 5 tells us, Jesus loved Martha, Mary. So it was clear to everybody, this was somebody that Jesus truly loved. But guess what? Sickness came. Trouble came into their home. And they were very worried. To send, Jesus, to send people to Jesus, that means they were thinking, if Jesus doesn't come right now, this man, my brother is going to die. They were desperate. It will come. There is only one who can deliver from trouble. There is only one who can deliver from trouble. Psalm 60, verse 11. He says, give us help from what? Trouble. For or because... The help of man is useless. Give us help from trouble. There's only one that can give you help from trouble. Mary, Matt, and Martha, they recognize the one who could give them help from trouble. There's only one person that can do that. Psalm 34 verse 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Trouble will come, but the deliverer, the only one that can deliver from trouble, he is able to deliver us from all of our troubles. Man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble, but we are connected to the one who is able to deliver us from what? All, not some, but all of our troubles. Why don't you go to him? Amen. You got trouble? You can call, men can help. That's why he said, Job said, the help of man is useless. They tried something, but it won't work if you don't go to the one, the only one that can deliver from trouble. And that's Jesus of Nazareth. So if you are alive, don't be bothered that you got troubles. Is normal. You are not insane. And you are not alone. Someone else is going through it. Probably the same thing that you're going through. And possibly in a more intense way than you're going through. So sit tight. You got Jesus now in your house. Amen. I like this scripture where it says in John chapter 14 verse 20. Jesus said at that day you will know that I am in the Father. And you are in me, and I am in you. So when you come to my house and you knock, 
and I show up. I don't show up alone. I'm standing and Jesus is right there with me. Amen. Can you give trouble to God? Jesus doesn't experience trouble. He knows how to deal with them. He frees people from trouble. So that's the first thing. God is the one that is able to deliver us from poverty. The second one is God will work only according to his timetable, not your timetable. You know they sent for, to Jesus, come, the one whom you love is sick. Please come. And I'm, the, I'm, and I'm sure they were thinking Jesus was going to drop everything that he was doing because of Lazarus that he loved. And Jesus has been in their home. They fed him. They were good friends, even though he was God. And they were showing their heart he was going to drop everything, his preaching and everything that he was doing, healing of everybody else. This was a special friend, and he's just going to take off and come to them. That didn't happen. He walks only according to his own timetable, not yours. I don't know how many days they went out looking into the distance, seeing a group of people coming, and they're thinking, that's him, he's coming now. And they got closer. Oh, no. That's not him and his disciples. Go back. When is he going to come? When is he going to come? Is he going to really come? It's getting late. Those two days were difficult days for Lazarus. Very tough days for Lazarus and the whole family. Nobody knew what would happen. They knew Jesus could heal him, but they were not sure if Jesus would raise him from the dead. They didn't know that. And so they were really in trouble. Then. But Jesus stayed and waited till the time was right. Those two days were very painful. And deliberately, Jesus stayed. Making the situation worse for Lazarus. Many of us think, well, if God really is, why is he allowing me to go through this? Why is he making me suffer? Lazarus was being gripped by the pangs of death, pain. I'm sure there were tears in the home. And yet they were sure Jesus could take care of the problem. And yet he knew it. And he was still there. Oh, the disappointment that they may have felt, especially when Lazarus eventually died. Have you been disappointed at God? They didn't know what to say to him whenever he showed up. Is he going to show up? Will he ever show up? Does he really care? I've been there. Does he really care? Well, he cares. I'm going to let you know this. Just look. I believe Jesus was the first one to know, to know when Lazarus died. The first person to know. Before the sisters knew, he knew. But he stayed there. It's never too late for him. We have to understand something, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than 
than your ways, and my thoughts than your th thoughts. Natural love would have compelled Jesus to leave everything that he was doing and run to save his friend because he had the power so that he won't go into, uh, into the, all those pain that he went through. But divine love works differently. There's a difference. We have to understand how divine love works. Divine love works differently. It's not natural love. Natural love is the feel-it-tap love. Divine love is higher. God made this clear. My ways, the way I do things, they're different from your ways. And my thoughts are much higher than your thoughts. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. So relax. Don't be in a hurry. Wait patiently for him. He's never too late. He knows what he's doing. Even though you're going through difficult times, hang on, stay there, wait, because God will come through for you. If he loves you, he's not letting you down. God never lets anybody down if you stay. So don't get disappointed. Wait for him. He's going to show up in his own time. In his own time. It's so important. The third thing. God is working from the bigger picture. You focused on what you can see. Right before you. And how you feel. And everything that you're going through. You're anxious. You're worried. It will be great for you if God does it. And it's all for your flesh. How you feel. But God is looking at the bigger picture for you and for everyone around you. He's so important to him. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about what God is doing on the earth. Yes, it's about you because you're part of the, the ones that Jesus came to die for. He loves you, but he'll grant you the best and give you a name. But it's really not about you. There is a bigger picture. And God's working from that bigger picture. And if you understand the bigger picture, then you will submit to his will. God does things sometimes that are difficult to understand. And he, I, there's something about God. He doesn't explain it to you. It's only after you've obeyed that you understand. But he expects you to walk by faith. So he lets, he lets it be that way. So he stayed behind. He's walking from a bigger picture. You know, after Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Well, Lazarus died, didn't he? So what, is, what, what did he mean? This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And that the Son of God might be glorified through it. So the purpose, yeah, we got a problem. There is a bigger purpose here. The glory of God himself is bigger than my needs. The glory of God himself will meet your needs that you're thinking is that big. When God gets glory, your needs will be met. That's the way it works. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God, that's the critical part, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
That's what is important to God. So God was looking at the, greater, the bigger picture. And if you go through the story, you will see the bigger picture. Jesus actually came and raised Lazarus from the dead. But let me read this. You see, so you, we, we are on the same page here. Beginning on verse, uh, from verse 11. Jesus was speaking and I said, Jesus was the first one that knew that Lazarus had taken his last breath. Jesus knew it. And as soon as that happened, he started talking to the disciples. He says, these things he said, beginning from verse 11, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, basically there is no need for us to go. <laughs> if he sleeps, he will get well. He'll be okay. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, that's in human language. In heavenly language, death is not a word. It's sleep. Amen. In heavenly language, God doesn't use the word in, they don't use that word in heaven. It's sleep. But Jesus said, since you don't understand heavenly language, let me come down to your level. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. He's not sleeping the way you think sleep. This is different language here. He says, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes. Think about it. How can he be glad that the fellow is dead for their sake? God glad that Lazarus, his friend, died? You see, does he come back to the same thing? His ways are higher than our ways. And our thoughts, than his, and his thoughts, than our thoughts. We have to let that principle go deep inside of you. When you're going through difficult times and you truly love God, the Bible is very clear. He says, all things work together for good to them that love God. To those who are called according to their purpose. No, according to his purpose. And his purpose is to bless you. He said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That will never go away. So no matter what you're going through, God's cooking up abundant life for you. He's doing that. When you know him, nothing in your life will die. In the mind of God, he's sleeping. And if you talk to him, he'll wake that thing up. If your finances seems like he's dying, he's not dying, he's sleeping. Can I hear an amen? Speak, call on the name of Jesus over your finances and your finances will come back alive. Raised from the dead. If your children seem like they're going crazy and you're afraid, I'm losing my children, they're going to die. No, you're wrong. You love Jesus, they're just sleeping. Jesus is going to wake them up and they'll come back up alive strong for God and be more even powerful for God than you've ever been. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. You got to trust him. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't understand what he's doing. And you say, well, I've done all of this. 
Why is this happening to me? And I'm going to tell a funny story. My son won't love it. If you love this, but he, uh, he's not here. When Omar was born, he gave us so much trouble. Oh, it wasn't funny. <laughs> I've been at the, in the medical center doing my research stuff. You know how you do stuff in the lab. It's like we cook sometimes, you know. You put all these reagents and stuff together and you put it in the incubator and you're waiting for it to work. Here comes the phone. Uh, this, this is the school principal. Oh, God, what's going on now? And she says, sir, I just want you to listen to what we've been going through all day. And I hear somebody, bloody mother, wah! Wah! And she says, sir, this is what we've been going through all day. We can't handle it anymore. Please come and get him. Ma'am, I'm at the medical center, and you are in Cyprus. I can, sir, please. <laughs> and I'll drive back from the medical center and pick my son. I don't know whether to kill him or whatever. As I'm going back to the medical center, I'm like, now you spoiled all my experiments and all of that. I got to start over again. Uh, and uh, the next day, I'm jittery. Every time the phone rings, I'm thinking the principal's calling again. And I started saying to God, God, I asked you for a good child. Where did this one come from? <laughs> Please don't tell him I said this, okay? <laughs> Please don't tell him I said this, okay? I said, God, wait. I'm a Christian. I love you, God. I asked for a child. Where did this come from? Lord, have mercy. He knows what he's doing. Amen? He knows what he's doing. The boy is completely changed. Uh, he's not perfect. Uh, but he's a changed man. And now he's reference point for the rest of us. And you say, if Omar can be good, if this, anybody can be <laughs> That's what they tell us in our family now. Angela's family members, I remember she, was, she went with Omar to uh, Iowa. And she called me from Iowa. Good luck. Please come here right now and take your son. I don't want him in my house. <laughs> now when their children act bad and Omar says, what's wrong with them? You don't, you don't speak, Omar. Speak <laughs> quiet. If you can change, they'll be okay. <laughs> One day, Omar said to me, Daddy, I was trying to mentor these kids and because they're trouble kids. And so I asked him. He went back to his school where he was really performing. And he said, he said I asked him, I'm working with these trouble kids. And uh, I asked him, but nobody worked with me. I know my parents said I was really a trouble kid. And the lady said to, to him, the uh, ones that are kind of mild, uh, we put in this program that you are in. The really bad ones, we send them up to the principal. That's where they were sending Omar. And he came back, he says, Daddy, was that, that bad? <laughs> I said, unfortunately, son, yes, you were that bad. It's bad. But God changes. We don't understand what he's doing. He can transform them. If you call on him. He can work on your behalf. 
That's what happened with Lazarus. Jesus showed up and Lazarus was raised from the dead. And if you read from John chapter 11, uh, verse 45 and 46, he says, after Lazarus was raised from the dead, then you begin to see God's purposes. It says, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen this thing that Jesus had done by raising Lazarus from the dead, but he had to go through all the pain, right? For a greater purpose. And had seen those things which Jesus had done, it says, believed in Jesus. Their life were transformed because of what happened to Lazarus. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Basically, they knew they were enemies of Jesus. They said, Let's, we're going to tell them what he's doing. Let's see what they'll say about this. How can you raise a man who's been dead from the, from the grave, who's been dead four days? You tell me, Pharisee, tell me. Pharisee and Sadducees, you mean they were sad, you see? Sad, you see? You see, he said, tell me, how you can be sad over this? Tell me. They went. They were excited. On Palm Sunday, do you know why that day was so great? Do, do, do you know how, why so many, so many people came out to see Jesus on that day? And they were putting their clothes on the ground for the donkey to walk over? Now, many of us have to be real careful. When they are putting their clothes, uh, the donkey cannot think this clothes, uh, this, I'm such a great star. They are putting their clothes for me to walk on. It's not you, but the one who is riding you, okay? Be careful. They didn't get that. <laughs> but they were out there throwing their clothes down. They were so excited. The word went all over the place. Read this scripture here. In, in John chapter 12, that was Palm Sunday, right before Jesus went to the cross, what we call triumphant entry, when Jesus went in. It says, therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. They were telling them, I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. Lazarus was raised from the dead. We saw it. With our own eyes. They saw that happen. They bore witness. It says in verse 18, For this reason, the people also met him. That's why they came. Because of what happened to Lazarus. Mary and Martha were just looking for healing for their brother. He was healed. But God was looking at a bigger picture. The salvation of the Jews. The people of God. These were people who had refused to believe. And so right there, they were witnesses. Can you just say the word witnesses? They were preachers that have witnessed that stuff. They were saying, you got to believe. I saw it with my own eyes. He's not a lie. I was right there. He spoke and Lazarus bound, came out. We saw it. And the people were believing. Man, and they were excited to have a man like this in our midst. It's nothing like this. They were excited because of that miracle. Now, let me let you know this. When you're going through something and it's not going away immediately, believe me, I'll say it again. God's preparing something much greater than your mind can conceive. In the, the longer it takes, the better it gets when Jesus is through with it. 
the longer it takes for God to get through to you, the better uh, what is prepared. You know, when people cook and they're really spending time putting all those ingredients, each one of those stuff that they put in, you probably won't like it. But when they take the time to put it all together, first it smells good. Amen. And then you can eat. God's preparing something for you. And if he's taking time, his time to do it, he's going to be really tasty. Can I hear an amen? amen? That's what God did. They came because of that. And I'm going to stop with the first today, which is probably one of the most important things. Jesus is the friend. Notice I didn't say a friend. He is the friend. This is the one that God is giving to us as a gift. The Bible calls him the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's always there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Jesus is always there. You know, in verse 11, Jesus said this to his disciples. Our friend, Lazarus, is dead. He called Lazarus his friend. In the Old Testament, there was none like that. There was no one that God called his friend. There was only one man in the Old Testament. With Moses, God says, like a friend. But there was only one man that God called in the Old Testament his friend. And that was Abraham. And you know what? Abraham didn't know it until after his death. It wasn't recorded. God never told Abraham face to face, you are my friend. It was said of him after his death. It is so important. There's a reason why I'm going here. When Jesus, God himself, wrapped in human flesh, now calls a man his friend. You don't know what privilege you have. Abraham, that was the only man. Moses, David, all of those, no. They were not God's friend. You are. That's why the Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist was of the Old Testament. Jesus called him a friend. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, we're told about Abraham. He says, but you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. But it was written after Abraham had died. God called him his friend. But this is what Jesus says about you this morning. This is what Jesus says. It says, no longer do I call you servants. They were servants. David was a servant of God. Jesus said, I'm not going to do that to you. No longer will I call you servants. Jesus doesn't call you a servant. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. In other words, I'm willing to show you everything that I'm doing. That's what Jesus is saying. But I call you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So we are friends of God. God has made you his friend. And that's a very great privilege. 
And when a friend calls, Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the friend. Is the friend that you need in your life. You don't need any friend. I'm not, I, my wife is saying, you don't have many friends. I have one. And he's the best of all friends. He is not a friend. He is the friend. He is the friend. And you need that friend in your life today. If you are without Jesus in your life, if Jesus is not close to you in your life, you don't have a friend in the world. The real friend, you know, people change. I have, I have many friends in the past that are no longer my friends. Friendship in the world sometimes for the most part is based on circumstances. And when the circumstances change, you, they can turn from being a friend to your greatest enemy. That's man. But Jesus, he is a friend for life. He is the friend. That's who he is. He doesn't change. He's always there for you. He's looking out for you. And he loves you. You are a friend of God. Amen? You are a friend of God. Bow your heads with me today. If you are here this morning and you have not made Jesus the friend of your life, the real friend, the true friend, you have opportunity to make that happen today by inviting him to be closer. Maybe I know you're a Christian, but you know you're not living the way you should live. The things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing makes you feel bad. And sometimes you don't even know how to get away from it. But you want Jesus. He's the only one that can help you. What you've got is trouble. God can help you. All you need is to bring Jesus closer. You can commit your ways to God. All eyes closed. No one is looking around. No one is looking around. Absolutely. And I'm not bringing you up. I just want to see your hand up that you want Jesus to be that close to you. And if that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand up quickly? Put your hand up. Put your hand up quickly. I see that hand. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I believe that you mean that this morning. And because you raised your hand, I believe that everything is changing right now. Because in heaven, there is a new equation right there. Things have changed with regards to heaven and your life. And God's blessings will begin to come to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're sick in the body, I, I, I told the Lord, if you, if you tell me to do this, I'm going to do this. If you're sick in the body, whatever it is, I need you to come up front. I'm going to pray for you. I guarantee you God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. If you're sick in the body, come up. But those that have raised their hands, and everybody, please stand up. Every one of you, stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's say this prayer to the Lord. Especially those that are coming to God for the first time or you're dedicating your life. You say you want to get closer to God. That's you. Please say this prayer. Mean it from the heart. And heaven will record your prayer forever. 
She doesn't have to say it again. Amen. Don't let any preacher tell you, tell you God is not near you after you say this prayer. He will be lying because God is always faithful to his word. Amen. And he'll listen to you. There's something that's going to be written in heaven today because of that. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you've taken away all of my sins. I come to you today and I invite you into my life. I want to be in you and you in the Father and in me. Thank you, Father, for writing my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to pray a prayer so that we can close, but I'm going to be praying for this who are sick and uh, all feel some kind of pain in their body. God's going to heal them. If you want to stay and watch and pray with me to see them healed, please stay. But if you feel like leaving, you're free to go. Father God, I pray your blessings upon your people. Let your blessings come upon them and overtake, overtake them. Let your goodness and your mercy follow them. And even though they may go through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with them and you take them through and prepare a table before them in the presence of their enemies. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed.